My skin's looking so good today. You're looking very glowy. I'm surprised to hear that you have a cold. Mm. I do. Only slight cold. I don't get full cold. I'm too mentally strong. Hello, my name's Flora Marie. Welcome to the award-winning Real Work podcast. Real Work is my online membership that democratizes business learning for women. We create content and community that will improve your confidence, knowledge and network by around 50% in as little as three months. And we know that because we've been measuring the data. The Real Work podcast brings you loose and lively conversations, very lively at times, <laughs> with women who have taken the women's work rule book and ripped it up and sometimes even used it for hamster bedding. We're here to show you what's possible for you in your own career. So have a good listen and enjoy. Now, let's find out who's coming up on today's episode. Hello and welcome to the award-winning <laughs> podcast. How long, how long can we keep saying that for, Buckers? Eternity. <laughs> it will always be true. It will always be true um, until it's multi-award winning. Yeah. Okay, good. At the moment, it's just the one, but we're very proud of it. The International Women's Podcast Award for Entrepreneurial Inspiration. Buckle up and welcome to our podcast, which is guaranteed to give you entrepreneurial inspiration. And it certainly will today because our guest is Carly Ismain, founder of Jammy, which is the online marketplace for black founders and makers. And she has been described by Cosmopolitan as one of the 24 people genuinely making the world a better place. Sadly, I wasn't on that list, but she was. So we can be, I should have been, right? Maybe I was number 25. You just didn't quite make the cut next year. I'm glad that pleases you so much. Um, Here's Carlia. And after you've listened to her brilliant interview, go to the Jammy website. It's absolutely fantastic. Here she is. Welcome to the podcast, Carlia. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you for having me. Super exciting. And yes, as you very kindly pointed out, I should really be now introducing by saying thank you to the award-winning podcast. Yes, so exciting. It was so exciting that... um, a whole load of us booked a trip to London to accept the award at the glittering gala evening at the Albright Women's Members Club, which involved canapes, oh, unlimited Prosecco, and a lot of sequined outfits. <laughs> and you'll see from the photographs that I wasn't there. What, 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 what? <laughs> Buckers had to be my proxy because I was at home with a kid who had... What do you think could be that serious that that held me back from that glittering moment in my career? What cataclysmic event could happen at home that would stop me from taking my moment in the sun? I mean, the only thing I can think is that she she got a cold, but I feel like is that she had a she had a sore tongue. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, just a okay. sore tongue. <laughs> So <laughs> while Buckers with 10 million rows of blo- bloom sequins 
attached to her body became a human glitter ball, swiped the trophy effortlessly um, into her arms, beaming as if it, she's just born to it. <laughs> I was at home, hunched in the dark, with a small child who was dangling her tongue in a glass of water. And it was Aww. up to me to hold the glass of water in situ <laughs> for a few hours and try and listen in on my headphones. So that's um, that's the glamour of startup life, isn't it, Kylie? As you know all about. <laughs> How, oh let's go. Let, I know the glamour. Do you think Gwyneth Paltrow has that? No, no. She, she, some, she Gwyneth she Paltrow would have definitely, yeah, she would have definitely delegated the glass hand handling, wouldn't she? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant! Wow. At least it was an awards ceremony to remember. Yeah, at least we won it. And at least my kid, I can remind her for the rest of her life <laughs> that I stayed home to hold a glass of water so she could dangle her tongue in it when it was sore. <laughs> That's, um, yeah. Parent, parent life isn't that different from having a startup, though. Let's go back to when Jamie started. That was a bit long, longer ago than we sometimes think you've been at it since is it 2013 no so it's 2016 but yeah a lot okay. of people talk to me like they think I started it last year and I'm, which obviously they do they do yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah they I'm really do they really do and but I understand it it's because last year was when a lot of people discovered it and when uh things started to really pick up for us so I do understand but no no we've been working on it for um just over five years now I launched it in August 2016 um, and initially it was like a really simple premise as a discount card for black owned businesses. The idea being get people to think of shopping with them on a regular basis. Um, but over the last five years, we've evolved from, we, we still have the discount card, but we've got like the online marketplace. We do, um, things like pop-up shops. We do all these different initiatives to basically get people thinking of uh, black creators and makers whenever they're shopping, but also to help bring down some of the barriers that those makers are facing. So whether it's um, access to resources to do marketing and to do storytelling or just kind of like removing some of the ad administration, like we centralize customer service and all of those things to, to help makers really just focus on the product. Um, but the first, the first three years, I think I was doing it, I was doing it alongside other jobs. I had full-time job. Um, I worked, it was very much an e evenings and weekends passion project. Um, and it was only at the beginning of 2019 where I kind of pretty much packed it all in. And I was like, I'm going to give this the best shot I can. Um, yeah, we've been going, yeah, we've been going like that since then. What drove you to start it? You, you, so when you say we, you mean you and Tarori and your co-founder? Yeah, so it was basically the first the first wave of the Black Lives Matter movement, which happened, you know, it started around 2013 when we were at uni together. And it kind of like, well, for me anyway, it really kind of politicised me and opened my eyes to a lot of kind of what was happening in the world. And, and towards the end of our time at uni, um, we were just thinking, like, as individuals, what can we do? Like, uh, You're a politics student, right? Politics, yeah, philosophy. Yeah. And economics, yeah, and, and he did economics. And, uh, I mean, originally I wanted to go into politics, but the more I learned about it, the more I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, and so uh, we were just, yeah, as individuals, we were just like, what can we do? And we kind of saw, you know, um, 
buying from black owned businesses is something that we could do as individuals to make a difference. But at the time, it was just a lot easier said than done because they weren't that visible. And for me, I didn't live in an area where they, there were a lot that existed. So I was really having to go out of my way. Um, and I thought, how can I make it easier for myself and other people to find um, businesses that are making products that they're already buying? So you can just swap them out rather than kind of going out of your way and buying things that you may or may not need. Because ultimately it's about sustained spending and repeat purchases rather than like surges which are um uh brought on by social media or or whatever yeah that's been an interesting phenomena hasn't it in our in my sort of um um anti-racism education which i'm sort of in the second year of now i've come to understand a lot about my own past behavior and um social responses around um societal issues like this about how white people can feel guilty when it's raised and so buy buy something or spend some money in a sort of a charitable way um in order to change the feeling that they're having instead of changing the mm-hmm. behavior so i feel bad i buy something that i don't really need from a black business which is basically a kind of an, an act of charity for me to feel better about myself instead of learning about the situation and addressing the problem and trying to support um, sustainable solutions. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's definitely what we saw last year was, you yeah. know, uh, from about the 1st of June to about mid-July, there was a huge surge in... Um, in in spending like huge and almost every business that I spoke to everyone was selling out their products and um all of their social media was exploding or their newsletter signups or or all sorts of engagement and then kind of things moved on like the next I think maybe did it tail off yeah it started to tail off and I think for some businesses and for Jamie included like it didn't I wouldn't say it tailed off in like a super significant way. Like the things weren't surging how they were, but we were in a plateaued much position. Yeah, it plateaued, but it plateaued much higher to where we were yeah. in May. But so that's the hell, large majority of business that's, businesses that were getting that support, things just went back to normal. Um, and part of that's because, you know, maybe they weren't ready or they didn't have the infrastructure in place to retain all of that attention but most of it is just that people just moved on people just you know they've spent their money like you said they've kind of uh, yeah and they felt felt better and then the news cycle has changed can i ask a really uncomfortable question yeah this is a lot of this let's be honest like a lot of this stuff is it's quite difficult to sort of talk about i i we we tackle it a lot on this podcast but so you know with sometimes i get it wrong and sometimes i get it right what what did it, what your black business founders who you work with, what was there any conversation around the fact that guilty white people were rushing to buy their stuff and what that felt, what did that feel like is my question. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was, there was a lot of conversation. I think for, I think it was a really bittersweet moment, like the the whole kind of the six weeks, because it's like uh, everyone's businesses were exploding, which is like 
that's great that's amazing but then as people we're also seeing everything play out in the news and we're we're experiencing all of the emotions and it's really hard especially when you're from the black community and you feel these things even more strongly it was really really difficult and for me personally though that time period was extremely draining because you know had no order notifications going off every five seconds which is like oh okay great but then also every five seconds I was getting notifications of all these awful things happening in the world as well and it's just like it was it was a lot to deal with and I think some business owners that I spoke to I mean most pretty much all of us knew that this is just it's going to fade away like we know it's going to fade away um just because that is just you know the nature of things I think different people had different takes on it there was a definite sense of um I didn't want to be found like this I didn't, I, yeah. you know, because in a sense, it's almost like we were capitalizing off of a, an extremely difficult moment. Um, and it's very weird to have benefited off of something like that. Um, and because, and also because it did feel like it, this is only happening because of guilt, um, which kind of made it even worse. But then on, on, the, on the other side, it was like, but if we're able to keep this going, if we're able to, all of this attention, if we're able to harness it and, um, build on it for the future, then we can actually really make a difference. Um, so it was a bit, yeah, it was a bit kind of a tale of two halves, really. There's, um, yeah, there's a lot in there, <laughs> isn't there? there? There's a yeah. lot in there because the other thing that was simultaneously happening with, um, with, the news that was affecting the black community. So you receiving that news in a different way than white people receiving it. And then the white guilt seeking to assuage itself, not just by buying stuff, but the emotional labor, you know, I didn't know what emotional labor meant. Like that's up until a while ago, like a year or year and a half when two years, when all this was happening and someone explained it to me, I didn't know what that meant. And I, and I was asking that of my f- friends regularly without even mm. realizing. So there was, there's that on top, isn't there? There's that on top that we were seeking to work it out. Um, we, we were hoping that you would work, help us work it out instead of, yeah. so there's that, right? Yeah. Layers and layers yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. And I think for, for us, because even in the, the, the run, like just as, as who we are, we'd always sought to educate on whatever it was. So like if we, you know, like with the Windrush scandal or if things happening in Black History Month, we'd always seen ourselves as like, you know, we've got this platform, however big it is, we want to use it. And I think when everything kind of blew up, people were like, oh, this is like an educating platform as well. So like, let's flood the DMs with loads of questions and um, a lot of, um, and even some of it was just like, people were just asking us for tips for other black owned businesses that they could support and things like that. But it's just like, you're asking for a lot. Um, every time yeah. I woke up, there were like a hundred new DMS that we had to go through. Um, cause obviously we wanted to respond to everyone. If people are taking time to reach out, we do want to get back to everyone, but it was just an awful lot. Like what are your thoughts on this? And can you also share that? And can you talk about this? And can you, you know, this, that, and the other. And it was just like, we are literally two people. Um, and even we did a post, like, uh, I think maybe two weeks in just to re- let everyone know 
we're just two people <laughs> like we're really yeah. trying our best and there's just two of us and like there were people I remember at one point there was people in our comments getting upset because we hadn't replied to them and it's like we had so we were getting so many comments on so many different posts that we couldn't keep track of it all um, and then people were getting upset because we weren't responding. We were just like, and that's oh, that's the that's the white privilege built in, isn't it? Like, oh, I'm here to spend my money. You don't want, don't you even want my money? I just asked a question. I want to know what sizes it comes in. <laughs> and it was it's that, like, oh, isn't it? And I and I cringe because I recognise that voice, and yeah. I'm working on it. Like I have that in me. It's a real cringe. Let's um let's talk about the original makers that you brought on board because now you have some significant momentum in jammy when people know what it is and you can say when you um sell through us here's a sheet and here's a instructions this is how it works this is what happens but at the beginning of businesses you have to kind of work things out together don't you and you were young Tori was young so how do you kind of how did you negotiate those first few steps with your first vendors, your first makers? So we, so I went about it by literally just calling them. I just, I, I sent, I found some businesses that I thought would be really interesting to work with. I started by just reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I've got an idea. Can I have like 10 minutes of your time? I promise I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just would like some feedback. And I think about maybe 25% of people that I reached out to got back to me. And then I would jump on the phone and I'd make sure I kept it just like a firm, like 10 minutes. And I just explained like, so this is, I've got this concept for, you know, this discount card and this platform. What do you think? And then they would, they'd let me know. And then I'd say, you know, how's your experience running a business been? And so we'd have this really nice chat. And then I'd say, you know, if I, if I kind of move forward and build it, would you be interested in me? reaching out to you again and they'd, they'd say yeah and so then when the time came where I was like okay we're going to do this I think a lot of them were kind of they were excited they were like oh this sounds great like I'm, I'm happy you got in touch with me you're still working on it that's really exciting and so for the first kind of year or two years it was very it was very informal but it was very much a relationship like it was a partnership that we worked together like we don't I mean, we even, we call them our partners, like they're not our yeah, vendors or anything like that. Yeah. Like we work in tandem with each other. If we give each other feedback. We give each other advice and support. Like some of them I'm really close with. I call them my actual friends now, which is really nice. Um, but from the, from the beginning, they've been so open and so willing to share. Like a lot of them said, oh, I'm going to give you the number of my friend so you can call her too. And you should speak to this person and you should speak to that person. Um, which is great because obviously I hadn't had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. So for them to share their own networks was amazing. And um, the the lovely thing about when we, we, in real work, we started out like that, didn't, didn't we, Bucky? Mm. We kind of, I just sort of opened my hands. I said, listen, I've got an idea. What do you think? And let's work it out mm. together. And the great thing about having the courage to do that at the beginning is that then you don't, when things change or don't go as you'd expect, you don't have to sort of um, explain it away. Like um, it's not perceived as a mistake. So if you say, okay, well, we'll try doing it this way and we'll see, see how it goes. How did you think that went? I thought it went like this instead of saying, this is how we do things. And then when it doesn't work, sort of having to fudge it. And there's, there's, it takes out that kind of loss of face aspect when you collaborate. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think you get feedback a lot quicker as well, because people are more inclined to tell you what they think rather than just like stop replying to your emails or just kind of like cancel or whatever it is. They'll just they'll send you a message to be like, oh, can you do this for me? Or I'd appreciate if you didn't do that or something like that. Feedback is the magic ingredient and it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Mm. But take asking for feedback, getting feedback, it's magic, but it it's it's harder than it sounds i've yeah. sort of been learning this recently that a lot of the time in the past when i thought i was asking for feedback i was asking for praise <laughs> <laughs> the difference there's a big difference isn't there yeah. yeah 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 and sometimes people tell me things and i don't really want to know <laughs> i mean just like i don't i didn't want you to say that i don't want to say I just recently did it last week with a potential real, our first potential real work collaboration, making a thing. We've never made any merch or things yet. And um, I came up with this brainwave and I was like, look at this. And everyone's like, yeah, that's nice. I never buy it. "Mm." So yeah, true feedback and is both. Yeah. That's, that's the answer. To a business like yours tell us about the business model if anyone hasn't encountered jammy tell us about like what you settled on how it works yeah definitely so we so we still have the discount card uh which how that works is it's 15 pounds for the year and, and that will give you unlimited access to discounts um at all of the the makers that sell on the site and that's more than 250 um discounts between 10 to 40 percent. so we still have that uh, we also we have our online marketplace, so you literally can buy everything through the site. Um, and then if you've got your discount card, discounts get automatically applied. Um, but then also if you go to like marketplaces or shops or whatever, and you can show your Jammy card, and you'll also get your discount there. Um, but then we also um, in the last I think year and a half we've started doing like in-person retail initiatives as well. So pop-up shops, marketplaces. We did a really amazing um, black-owned weekender in July, uh, where on Saturday we were in Shoreditch, Sunday we were in Brixton, um, which was amazing. Do you take stuff from lots of different makers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the pop-up shops, it's us in the shop. We'll have products from like 25 makers, different, all different industries. So you know, beauty, fashion, food and drink, uh, st- stationery, art, all different things like that. And then with the weekender, with the marketplaces, they come down themselves. So you you kind of like walk into this kind of big hall and you've got like loads of different makers and you talk to them about the stories of the products and they kind of have their own kind of branded space, which is really nice. Um, but for me, there's just no substitute. I mean, obviously, like with COVID, everything went online um, and there was just nothing you could do about it. And in a way, actually, it was, it was massively beneficial to us because you had these big corporations online and then you had small businesses online and shipping was basically the same so people were just like oh let's try this this new business now um but there's just no substitute for like picking up a candle and smelling it or or, you know seeing the texture Mm. of of skincare or or just asking a person a question of oh is this one better or is that one better um and so I just I really love doing the the in-person stuff it must, after working so hard on a project and then being online for a while, being in the same, you know, being in the same room, did you have that lovely feeling of, wow, this was just an idea I had and now it's this? It's a really special feeling, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the, so our first pop up was the August 2020. And um, I had been talking about wanting to do a pop up shop since 2017. I even found a notebook yeah. where I'd written it in 2017. And it was so amazing because we'd obviously all been inside for about five months. Um, and this was after we'd had this huge influx of like awareness and stuff. And so all these people came down and they were like, oh, I, I'm at such and such. Like yeah. we chatted on Instagram. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know who you are. Like you, we talk all the time. And yeah, it was just so lovely to have something that was in my mind come to life. But then yeah. also just to, to meet the people who've been supporting virtually yeah. um, for such a long time. That's magic. You know, we we talk about a lot of the difficulties, the problems, the hurdles of um, getting a business up and running. But those moments are really special. You know, there's a real milestone when you see that in front of your eyes, because that's a lot of work. Marketplace is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. To get an awful lot of work. I mean, I definitely think like I wouldn't say like we stumbled into it, but it wasn't we didn't have like an overarching plan when we when we got started. We had a vision and we had a mission and then it was for us it was like okay how are we going to achieve that let's go where we're being called let's see where partners are asking us to to go like for instance we started doing like workshops and stuff in 2019 because a lot of our partners were saying it would be great to even meet each other or have expert sessions or things like that and and then as as the we got more cardholders on and the platform evolved we realized oh we need to bring things in house to make it easier for customers because at the time it was like you wanted to buy something from business a and something from business b you had to go onto both their sites yeah. you had to go through the whole process and it was just like no like we need to kind of centralize this so it's super easy um and so yeah so when we we started the marketplace it was very much like okay this is a new phase of the adventure for us we're going to see how this goes and yeah it's definitely the easiest a marketplace is super easy to start but very difficult to to kind of the logistics and grow. Yeah, yeah yeah but no we've got the hang of it now it's it's fun now she says and the other <laughs> lovely thing about a, a business like this is you find out about yourself you don't just find out about your customers and your friends you find out about yourself tell me about how um the balance goes with tour and who does what yeah, so Tori doesn't work on the business full time, but I do. So I do the bulk of, of things. Um, my son, we've got an e-commerce manager um, as well. He's actually also my sister who works full time. Um, but the way that it kind of works between Tori and I is I basically do the work. So I um, take on like the marketing and the, the strategy and the, the finance and I execute. And then he comes in for kind of like all of the big decisions, like kind of like, um, you know, when you've got like a managing director and like a chairman, like that kind of, it's that kind of relationship. So he always knows what's going on and he inputs, but I'm the one who kind of executes and gets it done. Um, but actually that kind of worked really well for our personality. I'm very much a doer. That's what I do. I do. And he's a thinker. So it works really well. <laughs> That's like how we've got it split. And you met each other at university. Yeah, 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 yeah. First year of uni. Met him at a rave. <laughs> Did you? What year was it? First year. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I didn't know you were a raver. Huh? Yeah. Fine, Had your moment. <laughs> That's so good. Tell us, um, one of the things that I really love about this project is I I'm a um I'm on the advisory board of um, Create Equity, which is um, uh, not a not-for-profit, which is designed to 
um, research, analyze and address the disparity in investment, equity investment for black founders. So what that basically means, Buck, is, is that if um, when rich people go and invest mm. in businesses and buy shares of them, yeah. Um, the chance of you getting investment if you're a black founder is just infinitely small mm. compared to if you're a white founder. For um, uh, and and the reasons are really complex and you know depressing, and it can seem insurmountable. And what's great about um Kevin at Create Equity is that he has a very targeted approach on how he wants to fix that. Right, he wants to lobby government to um, mandate. Um, changes for venture capitalists so it you know so they have to be measured and they have to be answerable if they are just investing in white people he wants to get um, people to make a a pledge um, businesses to make a pledge to say they won't do that and he wants to create a massive pot of money that he can invest in people like jammy and um, I look at that stuff so I'm a, a minute cog in that wheel and I'm learning like crazy and, you know, anything I can do to help, great. But I look at that and I just think there's so, it's such a big complex issue. It's hard to tackle. So changing the, he's changing the system from one end, but what you're doing, Carly, which I really love, is changing the reality for business owners now, today, by smoothing, smoothing out the the drive forward so he's he's going in and and um trying to fix the 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 ground that the that the businesses are rooted in the un you know the uneven surface he's trying to make Mm. it even for everyone and the path ahead you're making some of their experiences and indeed their chance of survival higher at the front end yeah, was that a conscious I mean, choice? Did you? I mean, because the problems are so big, aren't they? So there, it's a different. Yeah. You're, it's like you're at the front end, and he's at the back end. Yeah, it, it was a conscious choice. It was very much like when we were thinking about it, we were like, "This problem is huge." Yeah, and, and this it's daunting. Is, oh, daunting, and this is you know when we were thinking about it, like we were 22, we were just in our first jobs, we didn't have connection yeah yeah (laughs) there's this thing (laughs) raving away on the dance floor there's this thing um we we didn't have any we didn't have any connections we didn't have any we didn't have reputation we didn't have anything and so we were kind of like faced with I mean we, we didn't think we were the only ones faced with this huge problem but you know we were very aware that this problem is huge and there's no way that it's just going to be one organization or a couple of people who are going to really tackle it and so for us we were like okay, we know what our role is going to be here. Our role is going to be, like you said, on the front end. And then as kind of, as new opportunities come or more feedback comes in, then we will evolve that. But this is where, this is what we're doing. And this is where our role will be. Um, Because for, for me, anyway, I'm just like, we can focus on our piece of the puzzle and we know that other organizations will focus on theirs. And then that's how we're going to end up with this whole systemic change. I think if we tried to go in and be like, we're going to fix every problem, I would probably still be at the drawing board trying to work out 
where to start. Um, so yeah, we picked we picked where we were going to be, and um, yeah, I'm happy. It with shows a lot of wisdom for someone of that age. The um, well, yeah, because Kevin is further along in his career, and he has a lot of gravitas, and he's mm. you know he founded MeWe, an incubator for Black founders that has been you know he's got a big reputation. So he's and he's older because I I think as well age 22. You know, it's we're quite ang- you know we're quite passionate and angry at that age, aren't we? About yeah, I think it, it could have easily um, turned into activism. And what yeah. you have made really isn't activism. You know, it's it's a it's a, a sustainable business model. Yeah, and to be honest, I really that's that's Tori's doing. Like he was very much like when we first were getting started, he was like. We need to draw a line between being these militant activists yeah. and being a sustained organization yeah. that is able to make real change and real impact. And so um, even so, the name Jammy is, is Swahili for community. Yeah. And the reason why we chose that is because he was saying we need a, we need a kind of a brand and an ethos and an attitude which is inclusive, which anyone feels that they can get involved in, because that's ultimately how we're gonna we're gonna be here in five years, ten years time, still doing what we're doing. Um, Keeping making it so activist and so militant is just gonna turn. It, some people will just be turned away. That's just how it is, and ultimately. This is because it's such a big issue. It's something which we need everyone to get behind. It doesn't serve anyone to be actively turning people away from the mission from the beginning in in any case. Um, And so it was something for us, we were just like from the beginning. I mean, you know, Jamie is very much when it started anyway, it was very much like an extension of my personality. It was like warm, it was chatty, it was bubbly, it was bright orange. Um, And I think that the combination of that and the fact that we wanted to make everyone feel, anyone and everyone feel like they could get behind us is probably why we're still here. And why we didn't get swallowed up by the anger and and um, and just yeah feelings of miscarriages of justice and and all of these things which which can really swallow an organisation up all all justifiable and mm. all understandable and there's a mm. space for all of that and I'm glad that we live in a free country where you know we can express all of those feelings but in terms of yeah making. A, a business that can put money in the pockets of black makers. You made a really wise choice beyond your years. I think, yeah, we joke a lot about how I was in my early 20s. <laughs> I wasn't making good decisions like that. Having said that, I was out on poll tax marches and stuff like that in those days. And, um, yeah, I was just, I, I was, um, when I saw injustice in the world, my um, reaction was not to start a sustainable business, it was to cry. And um, maybe listen to Morrissey, have another jacket spud, stay in for a while, a few days. So, you know, what? I was like that at uni, at uni, and we got so, all, like all of us, there was a whole group of us, we just used to get so angry and we just kind of wind ourselves up. It yeah, just feels yeah. a bit hopeless in the end. It just feels like, well, what's the point of me being angry in my bedroom? Like, got to do something. Um, we did. Yeah. <laughs> What's been, um, what part of it do you enjoy the most? Um, I think my favorite thing is when we get a customer saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've just found X on your site. 
Um, and usually it's something like planting themed oven gloves or like a hilarious car. It's something that's just like really so like, yeah, really like niche of a space. And, and for me, it's because like, I get really excited when I find those kinds of businesses. And so for other people to also be excited um, is just like, yes, like amazing. And like, this is one of, this is, you know, another thing that we want to do. We want to help make black British culture like, not necessarily like mainstream, but something which is, you know, recognized and respected. And uh, because, yeah, when I was growing up, if I wanted something like my planting themed oven gloves, there's no, I wouldn't even know where to start to, to get something like that. But obviously these are things that are really important to the community. Um, so that, and then also from feedback from um, the guys that we work with, the sellers and the, and the creators saying like, you know, oh, because of something that you did, I was able to hire someone or invest in this new piece of That's machinery nice, yeah. or we put ourselves up for this award or, you know, something like that, which just shows, oh, it's working. Like, you know, we've created this, this business and it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Like that feedback is just like, there's nothing better. That's so nice to hear. Do you, and do you think that changes? Do you see that change in, in the world that it's that um, the work of black makers and and um, craftspeople is more widely available. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like even just like I I know that there are big retailers out there that come onto Jamie's site and look and and they start reaching out to some of the guys that we work with. I I know that happens. I'm I'm not mad at it. You know, um, I think it's really exciting that you can walk into like supermarkets now and you can get greetings cards with black people's faces yeah, on yeah, them yeah. Mm-hmm. or you know just references to like you know in jokes cultural jokes things like that and that that's so important for everyone um and yeah I am proud that that in some small way we've been able to have a hand in that in um one of the first things I bought of Jammy was a um a black doll for my kid and mm. um I think at that time on John Lewis's website, I don't think there are any. I think it was only pink dolls. And that yeah. that was a whole conversation. But I do think that's changing now. Yeah. And also at one point when she was really a baby, so she's six now, I had to get one sent from America that was yeah. a different shade other than just pink. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's I, I think there is some change. Because even some quite mainstream brands now like lol dolls which you know not my kid (laughs) likes i'm not so keen but they they come in different um skin shades there's things there is things like that there's yeah but you know that's the tip of the iceberg i know that's a very obvious choice and there's as you as you rightly say um reference to um um yeah cultural traditions and things and and things like that being mainstream you know, we are a long way off that. One of the the other thing that I remember getting from Jamie in the lockdown, we did a lot of jigsaws in our house, a yeah. lot of jigsaws, <laughs> and um, really enjoyed um, one of your map jigsaws. Yeah, I know exactly what you're. Yeah, I know. Exactly and I what found you're that doing. one, I think, because I think I watched a live with the founder when you're interviewing the founder. You got really into doing those lives, didn't you? Yeah. Over lockdown, I love they were them. great yeah, in your kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where I am now, actually. Yeah, no, I love them, and they were. I think for us, like 
the reason why we did them is because obviously everyone was forced online um and it was just a case of like okay how can we kind of continue to foster offline connection like the same way that you connect with person offline where you yeah. like hear their story how can we do something interesting like that using what we've got um yeah. but people really loved them actually um i really enjoyed doing them as well like it was just nice to chat to people and then you know because our community is very interactive so they'll ask loads of questions and it will be like a real like group conversation um but yeah no it worked it was a, a nice little sales technique as well I didn't even realize it at the time but yeah I'm sure it was because as soon as you know you hear the founder talk about something enthusiastically it's you know it's catching yeah it was you know it, was, it felt lovely we're, we're running out of time a little bit what um what's what's the future oh it's a great question so near future Definitely more pop-up shops, marketplaces, yeah. getting out into the world because like that's amazing and so much fun. Um, and also, uh, I think what I can see in the future or is is kind of collaborations with bigger organisations as well. Like we've done a couple recently. We did our film with Pinterest, um, and we did a an out of home advertising competition with Clear Channel. And we've since doing those things, we've had more organisations reaching out to us to see Great. if there's ways that we can work together. And I think that's that's amazing because obviously that's kind of like that's our whole raison d'etre um and to do more of that would be incredible but also uh we just we want to get out of london a little bit more we're very london centric yeah. that's obviously where i'm from um want to get out of london we want to get out to to all the other cities to other parts of the united kingdom as well because uh, we're getting more and more customers like I love it every time we get like a an order from someone up in Derby like I'm just like oh, I wish we could go to you yeah. um, and we could meet you and um, and make things easier for you to, to buy from black creators and makers as well so yeah I'm sure you will if um, people are interested in finding out more what should they do Carlia? Head to the website, which is lovejammy.com, which is L-O-V-E-J-A-M-I-I.com. Um, or follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. U-K-J-A-M-I-I is the at for all of them. Great. That's a very nice, clear call to action. You've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely tried. I've, um, yeah, done it a few times and always like, had to spell it out because people love spelling jammy in like a million different ways. Uh, <laughs> Is um, Swahili is for in Tanzania in that part of Africa? Is that right? Yeah. So I went to Kenya for three months right after I left university, and I was it was an international citizenship program where I was working with like micro entrepreneurs and and really small businesses. I was essentially just an extra pair of hands. Um, but it was working there that I realised that I like how to start a business, which is literally just just do it, just do something. Yes, just start. Just start. <laughs> yeah, just start. Because um, I had the idea for Jamie before I went and I was like, I have no idea what to do. And then when I came back, I was like, oh my gosh, just call some people, <laughs> ask them if they'd be interested. If they say no, then it's a non-starter. If they say yes, then move on. Um, and so, yeah, when I was thinking of a, a name for Jamie, I thought, oh, it'd be nice if there's there's something that could like um, harken back to that time. So, yeah. Nice tie-in. Thank you so mm. much for being our guest on our award-winning podcast. <laughs> Thank you so and much for having me. Yeah, I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode of The Real Work Podcast. Thank you for being with us. 
This is the part where we remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And Buckers will probably tell me off if I don't ask you to please rate and review on Apple Podcasts because apparently when you do that, our content reaches more listeners. If you're curious about Real Work, the online membership Improving Women's Confidence, Knowledge and Network, head to our website, dorealwork and sign up for our super newsletter, The Real Worker. All the details that you need to connect with us in any way, you'll find in the show notes. Well, that was a super podcast. I'm, it's so nice to be back um, back in the studio recording again after a break and after a very special break because um, I am now an award-winning podcast, the International Women's Podcasting Awards for Entrepreneurial Inspiration. I'm glad it was that one that I won. No. I'm, I'm an entrepreneurial inspirer. Do you think you I should are. get a badge made up? Definitely, and a certificate and everything. I hope it's on your LinkedIn Actually, I don't. I think I need to upload it to my LinkedIn. You do, and also my profile on my, um, you know, my signature on my emails. Yeah, award-winning podcaster. So good. Congratulations. Thank you. It's just a very, very exciting. It was a very exciting thing, and um, yeah, the event event looked amazing. Yeah, it was. Oh, do you know what, Flo? It was such a shame that you weren't able to come because it was probably one of the best awards dues I've ever been to it was really? so good yeah the just oh, the atmosphere flirt was so it was electric it was just full of all of these amazing inspiring female podcasters it was just such was... a joy to be involved with did you meet new people and everything oh it was it was a networking central but in like a really not in like a you know, annoying way. It was just, it all happened very organically. I met this really cool comedian. They had an amazing poet there. Oh, it was just, it was, it was great. And so much Prosecco. I wore like a really jazzy outfit. It was so much fun. It was such a shame that you couldn't be there. Yeah. That, um... Didn't you have, you had a hotel, you had a hotel booked as well, didn't you? Like a really snazzy one yeah i did i lost my money on the booking yeah oh, and my so kid was ill so that's what happens you know when your kid's ill you just have to you know be the better person and you and, um, your train ticket and everything as well yeah i lost money on that as well you haven't you bought a special you bought a dress especially for the occasion didn't you listen i'm glad you felt great in your outfit and it was really nice of you to step in and you know go up and accept the award on my oh, behalf yeah. That was on my behalf. Thing. Totally wasn't expecting that. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, eh? When they announced that you'd won, everyone was obviously really excited. And then they just pushed me onto the stage. And there I was just they pushed like, you. collecting they pushed an you award. Because yeah. I did make a video in advance. I did make an acceptance speech, which I pre-recorded. Yeah, for but some But they didn't reason. play that. Yeah, the message, You got pushed onto the stage, did you? The message didn't get through that you weren't going to make it. So that's... It's a real shame. But yeah, it's, do you know what was really funny? It's almost like they sort of thought I was you when I was collecting it. I think they probably thought that I was actually you. It's so funny. Bizarre. That's, mm, I'm glad you had a good time. We got a great goodie bag. I've got a candle for you. A candle? And, um, yeah, candle and um, <sighs> some little vouchers for things and one a microphone 
um, and a the really nice trophy that I collected. I'll have to get that down to you at some point. I'm not quite sure when I'll be able to do that, but um, it's really lovely. Keep it. If you want to make a podcast that your audience will adore, but the thought of making it yourself terrifies you to the core, then you know who to call. Producer Buckers, she knows just what to do. Producer Buckers, to make your podcast dreams come true. She used to work in radio where she was poorly paleo, a dab hand at audio. Find Producer Buckers on Instagram at decibel underscore creative or click the link in the show notes. Come on, everyone. Producer Producer Buckers, if you want to hire the best. Producer Producer Buckers, just put it to the test. Producer Producer Buckers, just press record and she does the rest. Producer Buckers.